Kutasichis Chelek Yud Aleph Bishalach Gimel. This Sicha is a Siyum on Mesech Te'erevin. Fascinating, a Gishmake Sicha that will give us a whole new understanding into the last Mishnah of Erevin and in how to learn the whole idea of Erevin with a powerful Hira at the end. The way this the Sicha is structured is that uh, first it brings in an earlier Mishnah on the topic of Tchumen, which is what from this week's Parsha, and only later do we get to the Siyum. So I'm going to do a little bit different than we usually do. I'm going to briefly tell you about the last Mishnah in Masech to Erevin, and then we'll learn in the order of the Sicha. The Mishnah, in the end of Erevin, the last Mishnah of Perek Yud, ends about a Sheretz Shanimtza B'Migdosh. A Sheretz that was found, a dead insect that's found in the Beis HaMikdosh. It is Tomei, it is from the Avois HaTuma, and is not allowed to be in the Beis HaMikdosh. It must be removed. The question is how to remove it. So there's a Machleikis. According to Rabbi Yechonon Ben Breike, you take it out with the garke, the, the belt of the koyin that was one of the big uh, day kahuna. That gets you. You pick up the sheretz with a with a with a gartel, with a belt, and you take it out of the base of Even though the gartel will become tame because begodim become tame from an avatuma. Nevertheless, we want to get it out of the base of as soon as possible. We cannot prolong the tuma. The uh, second opinion of the Mishnah, which is Rabbi Yehuda, says you take it out, Bitzvas Shal Eitz. Bitzvas Shal Eitz is a, a wooden tongs or a pliers, something you, you can grab it with, but with wood, because wood is not Mechabal Tumah, unless it's a keli, unless it's a receptacle. And this, in other words, it has a, a hollow, uh, a receiving space, and the tzvas does not have, it's not, it's not a receptacle, and therefore it is not, and, it's, and if it's wood, it's not mekabal tumah. And even though it means it'll stay there longer until they could find the tzvas shalates, nevertheless, we'd rather prolong the tumah than increase the tumah. At the end of that Mishnah, Reb Shimon makes a statement. Reb Shimon says, That whenever Chachamim said something is mutter, it's only because it's already yours. Because the only things that they were matir to you, that they permitted to you, was a shvus. Shvus literally means to rest on Shabbos. And shvus usually refers to something that was uh, prohibited by the Chachamim. Something that's awesome with the Rabbanu. Something that is not Av uh, Melacha. Uh, but it's something that the Chachamim said that what has to be done as part of Tishbois. As part of the mitzvah of resting on Shabbos. And this became considered, uh, 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 termed shvus. So uh, Shimon says, anything that they said as mutter is only really a shvus, only something that's midrabana. So that's a Shimon statement, which is somewhat enigmatic because we don't know what is, it, what is he actually saying, what is its practical application, and what is its connection to this Mishnah. And in truth, the Gemara actually addresses this question. The Gemara asks, what is Shimon telling us? And, Shimon, and the Gemara says that Reb Shimon is addressing two statements from earlier in the Masechta. One statement is on the topic of Tchumen. Tchumen refers to the 
the idea, the concept, the halacha, that a person is not allowed to go outside, to walk beyond uh, the, his living space, which could include the entire city uh, that, he live, that he's living in. But then, once he goes outside of the city limits, he has only 2,000 amas that he's allowed to go, and then he's not allowed to go any further on Shabbos. So that's the concept of Tchumen. If a person knows before Shabbos that he's going to have to travel more, he can make an aid of Tchumen, which means he goes to almost 2,000 amas and sets up food over there and, and he extends his living space beyond the actual city so he could travel or take a walk further on Shabbos than the 2,000 amas. So if a person is inside of the city, they can go anywhere, 3,000, 4,000, 10,000 amas, doesn't matter. As long as you're within the city limits, you can go uh, everywhere. Once you get outside of the city limits, you have a limit of 2,000 amas, and that's it, and then you can't go anymore. So what happens if you're, to begin with, outside of the city? For example, you were traveling to the city, but it, it, it became Shabbos, and you're still not yet within the 2,000 amas of the city. You're only allowed to walk 2,000 amas and not more. So if, let's say, you're 3,000 amas away from the city, you can walk 2,000 amas, which will put you 1,000 amas away from the city, but you can't go into the city on Shabbos. Because you're outside of the Tchum. And the city is outside of your Tchum. So the Mishnah, a Mishnah in Perek Dalad, which is the Mishnah that we're going to talk about in this Sicha, says what happens if somebody, uh, uh, if it got dark on them, he's right outside 2,002 Amis away from the city. 2,010 Amis away from the city, right outside of the Tchum Shabbos marker. And it became dark outside. It became, it became Shabbos. So the Tanakhama says, it's too bad, you can't go in because you only have 2,000 Amas. And therefore, um, you can go until the city, but you, until 2,000 Amas from where you are, but you can't go into the city. Reb Shimon argues, and he says that up to 15 Amas away from the 2,000, you're still allowed to go into the city. Why? Because the markers, the people that would, that would survey the, the, the space the, and count the yamas and mark, put down the marker of where the end of the 2,000 yamas is, knowing that people are not exact and might walk too far, they always, they pull back the marker a little bit. So really the last, the, the next 15 yamas are really within the 2,000 because it's just like a buffer zone that they're being careful. And therefore, if you're within 15 Amis of the marker, according to the Shimon, you're allowed to go into all the way into the city. And once you're in the city, the whole city is yours. And the Gemara says that to explain that opinion, Reb Shimon says over here, that the Chachamim permitted it to you because it's already yours. Since those 15 Amis are really within the Tchum, it's really not Osir in the first place. It's just something that was prohibited as a precaution. And therefore, you're allowed to go in. Uh, uh, we're being matted to you something that's already yours. Then, when he says, this is referring to a different halacha, which is actually in Perik Yud, in Erevin. And this halacha is about a, the cord of a harp that snapped on Shabbos. The lady, the person, the Ben Levi, the person from the, from the Bishpacha, from the Shevet Levi, that was playing music in the base of Mikdash on Shabbos, which was a chilek of the Avoidah, 
part of the work that was done in the Beis Amikdash, and therefore even though music is not played uh, outside of the Beis Amikdash, but in the Beis Amikdash it was played as part of the Aveda. And while he's playing, the, uh, the chord breaks, the, 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 the string of the harp, it snaps. So the Tanakhama says you're allowed to tie, retie, even though tying is a, 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 a malacha. And if it's a kasha shal kayama, if it's a permanent knot, it is an ismid de'eraisa. Nevertheless, for this avayda, the base amigdash, it's okay. Now, the Tanakhama is referring to the fact that you're not, you're not having in mind that it's going to stay permanently, so it's not a kasha shal kayama. And therefore, it's not an ismid de'eraisa. Uh, and for the sake of the base amigdash, the work in the amigdash, it's okay. Shimon argues and says, no, you're allowed to make a bow. You're allowed to make a, a slip knot, a, a non-permanent knot, something that, a knot that could never be permanent. Because he says, Chachamim were not matter something that could lead to a Yisr Techi of Chatos. Tying a regular knot, it might become a permanent knot. And that's a Chiyuv, that, that's a Yisr Midayraisa. And the Chacham were matter that. And that's what he means in the end of the in the last Mishnah, that only if there is a, a prohibition, can Chacham come and say, okay, it's mutter. But if it's an Isimidei Raisa, Chacham are not matter it. And therefore, he holds, you cannot tie the string, you can only make a bow or a slipknot. That is the conclusion of the Mishnah, of Sechta Erevin, according to, the, and, and how the Gemara explains the Mishnah. Now, in the Sicha, we're going to address primarily what is the connection between these two statements with regards, one is about Tchumen, and one is about Nimes Kinner. Two totally, totally independent halachas that seem, other than the fact that they're both talking about Shabbos, seem to have no connection to each other. So what's the connection between these two statements? And number two, what's the connection to Sheretz? The Mishnah begins with a Sheretz and Imtzav Mikdash. What is the connection to Sheretz? And all of this will be explained in the Sikha. So let us begin. In the Pasik in Parshas B'Shalach it says that there's going, not going to be any mon. On Shabbos, and nobody should go out of their place, out of their space on the seventh day. Come, Chazal, and tell us. And the Gemara in Erevin. And it's also brought down in Rashi on the Pasik. What's the place? Where, where are you not allowed to go out of? This is referring to the 2000 Amis of, the, of, of a person's space. Which is Tchum Shabbos. This is the Pasik from which we learn that a person is not allowed to go out of to be more than 2,000 Amis beyond the city limits. With regards to Tchumen, there's a machlekes between Shimon and Abanon in the end of Perek Dalad, of Masech Ta'edavin. This is what the Mishnah says. Someone who it became dark upon him. Shabbos fell upon him. 
uh, when he was, well, he's still outside of the tchum. Even if it's just one amalei he should not go into into the city because he's outside of the tchum. Shimon says, even if it's fifteen amos amos, he should still go into the city. Because the measurers, the surveyors, do not exact the measurements because of those who may make a mistake. Hidosh. What does this last statement mean? That when they measure and mark the place where the 2,000 Amis end away from the city, they're not exact to place the marker at exactly the 2,000 Amma point. They measure a little bit less. And they bring in the marker 15 Amis from the, from the actual Trum. Because of those who may make a mistake. They don't recognize where the marker is. And sometimes will go further. They're taking a walk on Shabbos. 2,000 Amis is not that much to walk. And it's a very beautiful day. And the weather is nice. And they're taking a walk outside of the city. And they may go a little bit too far. And they're going to come back. And they're not going to realize that they just went, just went out of the Tchum. And therefore, what they did is they gave, they created a buffer zone. So it's even if, if it got, when it got dark, he was still outside of the tchum. If he's still within the 15 amas, he can still go into the tchum. And then from there into the city. Because in reality, he actually is with, already within the 2,000 amas of the city. This, this, the reason that Rav Shimon is giving here is said as a general rule in the last Mishnah of Masechta, Seif Perek Yud. Shimon says that those places where the Chachamim permitted it, they were permitting that which is already yours. They were giving you that which is yours. They were only matir, that which is a shvus, that which is a mitrabana. Mavurbe Gemara, the Gemara explains on that Mishnah. And this statement, Reb Shimon is explaining the reasoning of two halachas mentioned earlier in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, in the Mesechta. That which Reb Shimon says, that when a chacham were matir something to you, they were matir something to you that's already yours. Is referring to this above mentioned din of someone who was outside of the tchum when it got dark. Which Shimon said, like we just learned, that even if it's within 15 amis, even up to 15 amis, he could still go in. And he explains, can. Since he's already, since it's yours, it's already within the tchum of the city. They gave it back to you. You can't can go in. And as long as he's within fifteen amis, he's still within the tchum, and therefore they gave it there. They allowed him to go in. It's yours. You're still. you within. you within the tchum. You can go in. And that which Rav Shimon continues in that last Mishnah in Erevin, that that which they were marked to you is only Mishum Shavuos, is referring to another Mishnah, which is in Peirik Yud. The Mishnah of Tchumen was in Peirik Dalid, 
And this Mishnah, which we're about to learn, is in Pedic Yud. Mishnah says, Kaishin, and the whole Pedic Yud, or most of it, is talking about things that are mutter in the Beis Amikdash on Shabbos, but are not mutter outside of the Beis Amikdash. So one of the Mishnah says as follows, Kaishin, Nima, Bemikdash, Avalei, Medina. If a, if a, a uh, thread, if a string, a cord of the harp ripped or snapped on Shabbos, you're allowed to tie it in the base of Mikdash, but not in Medina, not in outside of the base of Mikdash. In Betchila, but if it didn't, it was never made in the first place, it was never, it was never stretched out onto the instrument, it was, uh, 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 you know, it hadn't been made yet, can can also, then you're never allowed to. Uh, either, either in the base of Mikdash or outside of the base of Mikdash, you're not allowed to tie your, your cords to your instrument on Shabbos. But if it was already there and then it snapped, then you're allowed to retie it on Shabbos. And Reb Shimon, who is not mentioned in that Mishnah, but is mentioned in a Braise, uh, which is brought in the Gemara, Reb Shimon says, Ben Levi, that his... Uh, uh, that it, one of his cords snapped or broke on his harp. Kaisra, he's allowed to tie it, which is the opinion of the Tanakhama. Reb Shimon Eimer Oinva. Shimon says you cannot tie it, you can only make a bow. And the reason is explained in the end of the Mesechta in the statement that we just learned. There are only permitted things that are a shvus, that are an Hainu. As the Igmar explains there uh, explicitly. Aniva, if you're making a bow that cannot lead to a chiyuv chatos because it can never be a permanent knot, because it's always going to loosen and undo, so there's, therefore there's no possibility of it being a kesher shal kayama, a permanent knot. Therefore, shara lederabanan, rabanan say it's mutter because it's 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 not it's it's only the whole to begin with it's only a it's only a derabanan. And the gemara there explains why just making a bow why it's a problem of a derabanan, which. Is not addressed in the Sikha. But tying a knot, which could become a permanent knot, you might leave it there, and then it becomes a permanent knot, this would lead to a chi of chatas, because you're not allowed to make a kasha shokayama on Shabbos, therefore, and therefore, Chachamim did not say, so according to Reb Shimon, Chachamim did not say it's mutter, therefore, according to Reb Shimon, you cannot tie the knot, you can only make a bow to be able to keep on playing the instrument. What's the connection between these two ideas? The idea, the, 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 the story, the, the halacha of, of Tchum Shabbos and the halacha of tying or or or, or Making a bow on a harp. Peter Shirashi Rashi explains. This is what Rab Shimon is telling the Tanakama. Even though I was lenient with regards to the person that, that was outside of the Tchum when it became dark, that I allowed him to go into the city. Nevertheless, I am more stringent when it comes to the cord of the harp. Over there, by the Tchumin, they were given to you, it's already yours, and therefore I allowed him to go into the city because it's, he's already within the Tchum. But over here, by the Nimeskiner, by the harp, they only allow the Rabbanon, and making a full-fledged knot on a, on a harp could lead to a Deiraisa. So don't ask me why I'm Mekel over here and Machmer over here, because each one has its own set of circumstances. So, according to Rashi, 
and according to the way, we, which is how we just learned that Mishnah and the Gemara that explains it, is that the, the two, the two separate statements of Reb Shimon. Statement number one: The Chacham only permitted that which is already yours, and that's referring to Tchumen. And there's a second statement, which is uh, um, uh, uh, and that's a second statement referring to the situation of the Nimas Kinner Shanifsika, the broken cord on the harp. Taisvis Kasav, Taisvis phrases it a little bit differently. Taisvis also agrees with Rashi that we're addressing these two halachas. That's how the Gemara explains it. However, Taisvis doesn't see the Mishnah as two separate things referring to two separate halachas. Taisvis sees it, sees it as one general idea that, that lends understanding to both halachas. Taisvis Kasav, the Hasam Lav that if you're going to say, why are you being mekel by Tchumen and Machmer by Nimus Kinner, it says, not a kula. They're giving it to you that which, they're not being lenient to say, go inside. They're saying, it's already, it's already mutter. And also over here, by the Nimus Kinner, by the, by the cord of the harp that broke, they're also giving you that which was already yours. They're giving you the uh, allowance, the permissibility to tie a bow because that is be'etzem mutter. And therefore, it's not a kula and a chumra. It's what are we doing here? Are we, is it something that's inherently mutter? Then you can do it. You can tie a bow and you can go in to the city when you got stuck outside the tchum within 15 amas. But if you were further than 15 amas, or for that matter, to make a knot, if a regular knot, you can't do that because it's not Mishalcha, because it's an Isa Deiraisa. In other words, according to Teisvis, it's not two separate ideas referring to two separate halachas. It's one, uh, one connected idea that the reason why it's Mishalcha is because it's a Shavos. Because it's, only, it's already yours and it's only Asr Midarabana. So, they're not really arguing in what in what the halacha is. They're just Rashi and Taisvis. They're just explaining that that statement of the Gemara a little bit differently. Either you see it as two separate ideas that are referring to two separate halachas, or it's one idea that has a relevance to both of these halachas. We're going to ask three questions: one on Rashi, one on Taisvis, and one in general. What is the connection between these two halachas? That because of that, Rabbi Shimon feels forced to explain why he's makel in one, he's lenient in one, and he's stringent in the other. Why would I think, why would I imagine that being lenient in the din of Tchumen of someone who, who was outside of the Tchum when Shabbos began, should compel the Reb Shimon to be lenient in a case of tying in the Bishamikdash. What's the connection? And the second question is on Teisvis. The Reb Shimon says it's the same reasoning that in one place makes us lenient and the other place makes us Stringent, kosher. We have a different question. We only need the first half of the statement. 
Because that's the same reason why we're being stringent with regards to tying in the Mesamikdash. Why did the Shimon have to say more extra to say that there only were Matir Shvus? And it doesn't suffice with the very first fundamental rule that they gave you that which was already yours. Especially as the Rambam tells us that the Mishnah is written concisely with a short amount of words that are inclusive of many ideas. So this is a Mishnah. It could have just said the first statement. And from this we would know, A, that you have to be, be makel by the Tchumin and you have to be machmir by the Nimeskiner. What is the extra addition of the words according to Teisvis? We also have to understand the third question. And like I mentioned earlier in, my, in the introduction, that the Mishnah that this is talking about is, begins with the Din of Sheretz, the Sheretz that's in the Beis HaMikdash, whether the Machloikis, how to take it out, we have to understand the words of Reb Shimon are arranged as the end of the Mishnah that is talking about the din of a Sheretz, an insect that was found in the Mesamikdash. Seemingly, there's no connection between a Sheretz and the Mesamikdash and this statement about Tchumin or about Nimes Kiner and so this, this rule of Reb Shimon should have been in Perik Dalit next to the Tchumen. Or earlier in Perik Yud, next to the Deen of Nimes Kiner. This rule of Reb Shimon belongs next to the Halachas that is coming to explain. Or at least, if you're putting it at the very end of the Mesechta, at least in a separate Mishnah, separate from, from the Sheretz. Seemingly there's no connection. Like the Rebbe says in the 11, that the division of Mishnas is precise. The way the Mishnas were broken down is exact. And the fact that, it, you know, sometimes the Gemara refers to a Reisha and a Sefer. The fact that one thing is a Reisha and a Sefer, and not in the, uh, both in the same Mishnah, or something else is divided into two separate Mishnas, is also part of our understanding of the Mishnah. So the question is, the fact that it's in the same Mishnah means that there must be some sort of connection. And the question is, what is that connection? So number one, according to Rashi, what's the connection between Tchumen and Shabbos? Tchumen and Nimes Kiner. Number two, according to Teisvis, what is the extra addition of the word seemingly the first half of the statement already answers both questions and number th three, what's the connection to Sheretz and Nimtzu Mikdash? that because of that they were placed in the same mission so we're going to answer the question and we're going to see that all three things are actually connected because they're actually based on the very very same question or the very same idea in how we we arrive to the psak that we arrive to. But in order to get to that, we first have to give an introduction. And that introduction is that the idea of Tchumin is not just a permission, it's not just a heter, the Chachamim allowed you, or Teira allowed you to travel outside of the city limits in order to uh, enjoy Shabbos or for whatever other reason, but actually, it's a mitzvah. It's actually, there is, it's part of enjoyment of Shabbos 
to pursue the idea of Tchumen. And let's see that inside. Well, to explain this, we'll first preface with the fact that one of the reasons the Torah bring that it's a mitzvah to create, find opportunities to make an Eruv. Whether it's an Eruv which is when a bunch of people share a common area, <clears throat> like a chatzar, a, a courtyard that many houses go into. That the common area to make an Eruv amongst everyone so they could share the common area, for example, um, by, by bringing food to one person. Everyone shares in that food and that way they can make an Eruv. And they all become partners in the common courtyard and they can carry in that courtyard and then from house to house that's connected to the courtyard or Shitufim of voice, which is the common Eruv that we have today when we make an Eruv from one Mavui to another, from one block to another that we make, we, we surround it with a string or with, a, with Lechis and Kedis that uh, make it possible to carry within a neighborhood. So not only is it okay, if we want to be able to carry it to shul or something like that, we make an Eidov, but mitzvah lachzeh, it's a mitzvah to do it. Why? So, that, so this is brought down, this is for the enjoyment of the person, to, 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 to take a walk, or to bring his food needs, which is a mitzvah, like it says in the Pasuk, that you're supposed to, do things on Shabbos that bring you enjoyment. So therefore, if me being able to carry my food from this house to the next house, it will increase in my enjoyment on Shabbos, then I am not only allowed to, I have a mitzvah, not a chiv, not an obligation, but it's a mitzvah, it's something that adds to the enjoyment of Shabbos, and therefore I have a mitzvah to do it. So the Rebbe is going to apply that reasoning to Tchumen. As part of Enoch Shabbos, it's a mitzvah to be within the Tchum of the city. So you can be able to take a walk or bring things from place to place within the entire breadth of the city. And an additional 2,000 Amas in each direction. If he's spending Shabbos outside of the Tchum, then he's very limited. He can't go beyond 2,000 Amas. He probably doesn't have the things that he needs. Certainly, whatever he has with him, he can't bring it anywhere and he can't get more uh, Shabbos necessities. Ayid, that finds himself outside of the Tchum, it's the opposite of any Shabbos. Based on this, we could say that someone, that it became dark on him. Outside of the Tchum, it lies upon him an obligation, not a total obligation, he points out in the Ha'ara, but some level of obligation, to go into the city, so as not to prolong the, the lack of enjoyment on Shabbos for the whole, for the whole 24 hour period of Shabbos. In other words, if he can, he's got to get into the city in order to avoid not enjoying Shabbos. So now what we just did is now we just made going into the city not a heter, but a mitzvah. And based on that, the question is going to be how far, how deep does this chiyuv go? How much 
can I break or how much can I over a power in order to fulfill this mitzvah, this chiyuv of going into the city on Shabbos. And the Rebbe is going to introduce once again this very famous chakira, this very famous debate of what is greater, kamos or echos, quality or quantity. This is something that the Rebbe spoke about on many occasions. We ourselves already learned it at least once in Chelek Yudbeis, in the Siyum HaMasech Tehedius, where there was a discussion over there, Sinai Adif or Eker Harem Adif. Sinai refers to someone whose knowledge of Teda in the length and the breadth of Teda is across the entire Teda. He knows, he has this encyclopedic knowledge that he knows all aspects of Teda. Like, 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 like Sinai. Like Teda, the whole Teda comes from Sinai. So he's a Sinai, he knows everything. Which, but he, so he has the knowledge of it all, but he doesn't have the, the ability to go down into the depth of something, to delve deeper, to dissect, to, uh, to uh, take it apart and to uncover new ideas. This is, this is not his abilities. There's a, he's a Sinai. Then there's an Eikar Harim. An Eikar Harim is someone that may not have the breadth of knowledge in the entire Torah, but when he learns something, he learns it all the way. He, so much so that he can uproot the whole mountain, he can uproot even Sina, can even uproot something that he already learned from Teda and uncover something new beneath it. So the question was, who's a greater leader or who's a greater Talmud Chakam? Someone who has Kamus, someone who has the quantity of lots and lots of knowledge, or someone who has the Echos, someone who has the, the, the quality of what he knows, that he's able to go deeper and understand it well and, and, and better. And very often, we're going to come to this question. What is more important? Would you rather something of, of great, great quality? Would you rather, uh, you know, each person in their own can think of, of examples. Of, would you rather something of great quality, even though you have very little of it? Or would you rather a lot of it, even though the quality is less? And that's going to be the discussion of Tchumen. Because going into the city might be a violation of Tchum Shabbos, which is a big violation. But staying outside of the city, you're violating Oynik Shabbos, which is certainly a smaller violation than Tchumin, but it's going to go on for the whole Shabbos. Every moment of Shabbos you're not enjoying it. So it's a lesser problem, but it's in quality, but in quantity, it's going to carry on the entire 24-hour period of Shabbos. While crossing over into the city, if it's an Iser, might be a bigger Iser, but it happens once, and then you're in the city. From Once, once you're in the city, you're free to go. So that's the discussion. The Shita of Rav Shimon over here, stems from a very general concept that according to Reb Shimon, the greater quantity, even in the lesser quality, is more powerful, is stronger than the greater quality if there is, even if there is lesser quantity. And he's going to explain it. The reason of Rabbi Shimon, who doesn't just say, 
you may go in. The word, it doesn't say mutterly hikanes. It says hikanes. Which almost sounds like a command. He has to go in. Not just he has the permission to go in. In order to not prolong the Easter. Even though going in to the city might be might be transgressing going outside of the tchum, and here he's not he's doing something. Kumba say means he's actively doing something. He's getting up and he's going in, which is certainly more stringent than not enjoying Shabbos because that is just a passive thing. It's shev al not actually doing something. He's just sitting and not moving. So kumba say is certainly something that is more stringent than a shev al than passively doing nothing. Because that, so even though going into, into the city, crossing over the Tchum, is a more stringent Iser, than sitting and doing nothing outside of the Tchum, even though it means not enjoying Shabbos properly. Because the Seyver of Shemin Sheikhanis, nevertheless, Shemin holds he should go in. Because when going into the city, he's only transgressing in the moment of the entry. But when he stays outside the Tchum, this is an Iser that continues in every moment that he's there. And the quantity of the, the, the many, many Isurim that he would be doing over the course of Shabbos by not enjoying Shabbos overrides the echos, the quality of the one Isa that he'll do by crossing over into the, into the city. So this is Reb Shimon's opinion, being that, being that to go into the city is a mitzvah of Einik Shabbos. So therefore we see, uh, we see two things. On the one hand, there is a larger Isser, a greater Isser, more stringent Isser, but it would happen once. Or there's a less stringent Easter that would happen constantly the whole Shabbos. Reb Shimon holds that the kamus, the quantity, overrides the quality. And therefore it's a bigger problem to stay and keep on doing Yisurim a whole Shabbos. And he says, you can't just go in, go, cross over into the city, do this passable Easter just once. That way you won't be doing the Easter the whole Shabbos. Now that we understand that the reasoning behind this is this opinion of Reb Shimon is because he holds that kamus quantity overrides quality. Now we can understand the connection between these two ideas that he said that Reb Shimon said explaining these two halachas. The, 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 the rule. That when the Chacham gave you a hetter, it was your, already your own, which is referring to the din of Tchumen. And the rule, that only a Shvus is mutter, which is referring to the din of the Nimas Kinner, the cord of the harp that snapped on Shabbos. The two ways to fix the Kinner is either to tie it or to make a bow. Yes, each one has a stringency that the other one doesn't have. 
the chiyuv, the, 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 the stringency in tying a knot is one of quality. It is possible to come to a a deiraisa, a, a, a breaking, a isa deiraisa, because it might become a, a permanent knot, and then you've transgressed a deiraisa. Aniva, a bow, is only a derabonim. Because a bow is probably going to uh, untie itself, and therefore it's not a permanent knot, and therefore it's not a deiraisa. But for that reason alone, there is a stringency in the in the boat. Because since it's not going to last, you're going to have to fix this harp to remake this boat a number of times, which is quantitatively problematic. Which this problem doesn't exist in a permanent knot. Because you only will, you probably uh, transgress the one time because it's a more permanent knot. Comes out that also the resolution of this question should I tie it or should I make a bow? Also depends on this resolution of is quantity greater or is quality greater. Do I say that the, 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 that because Quality, quantity is greater. I want to not do an Easter a bunch of times, and therefore I want to uh, ta- uh, 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 do a bow because that way I'm not. Uh, I want to do a knot, so that way I'm only doing it once, but I'm not. I'm not doing it many times. Or do I say no? I'd rather tie the knot so that way I only do it once and not have to. Sorry, I said it wrong. Let's do this again. Do I say that I want to do a bow so that way I do the Easter once and not do the Easter a bunch of times because that would be a problem of Kamos? Or do I say I'd rather do the bow and not do tying a knot, which is a problem of Echos? It's a much bigger Easter. So according to Reb Shimon, you would think that since Reb Shimon holds that Kamos is Machriya Echos, that quantity is greater. And over there he said it's better to do a bigger Iser than to do a, 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 a Iser, a smaller Iser many times. That Reb Shimon would hold that you should tie the knot and not make a bow. And now comes the question. Reb Shimon doesn't say that. After Reb Shimon tells us that you should go in to the Tchum because he holds that Kamus is stronger and therefore he doesn't want it to be over an Isra a bunch of times during the duration of Shabbos. As we would think, that also when it comes to the Nimas Kiner, he should want you to make a real knot, which is lesser in quantity, lesser isurim, in quantity, and not to make a bow, uh, which is going to make more isurim in quantity. So that's you would think. Therefore, Reb Shimon comes to negate this, this concept, this Thought by telling us later, even though when I came to Tchumin, I was making in the Echos, I allowed you to transgress a greater Easter in order not to increase the Kamos. 
to that they used to have many many yisurim of sitting outside the tchum and not enjoying Shabbos. Nevertheless, I am more stringent when it comes to the quality of the Easter of tying the any and I will not permit you to tie a knot in order to not have to come to uh, transgress many isurim of tying a bow. The fish lay dafka This heter of kamus machria echos only works when both the kamus and the echos are shvus. When I can discuss Kamos versus Echos is only if they're both in the same category. Either they're both a Deiraisa, or they're both a Deirabanon, then I could say they're both coming from the same category. Which one overrides the other? Kamos or Echos, quantity or quality. But when it comes to the to the to the kinner, to the harp, aniva is a derabanon. Kshira is a deraisa. So now you're not you're not just comparing kamus and echos. You're comparing a deraisa and a derabanon. Over here, kamus derabanon cannot be machria and echos deraisa. On the contrary, the quality, the intensity of the Iser, the Iraisa, is more powerful than the quantity that's been the Rabbanon. Because Iraisa is stronger than the Rabbanon. So when did I say Kamus Machriya Echos? When I was talking about two, two Rabbanons. Iser Tchumen is the Rabbanon. And Ashbasa Zainik Shabbos is also a Rabbanon. So one's a kumvasei, one's a shevel tasa. One is not a chiyuv gomur. So one is a stronger issue, one is a lesser issue, but one is longer, one is, one is more prolonged, one is less prolonged. So I can discuss kamus and echos, and Epsimu knows kamus machriya echos, and I'd rather not have many isurim, even though they're smaller, than have one big isur. And therefore he says you should go into the city, do one big isur, rather than doing many small isur. But when it comes to, 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 to the Dima Skinner, over here it's a question of a Deiraisa versus the Dirabonon. Over here I say no, over here I say the Echos of the Deiraisa is stronger. And therefore he says you cannot make a knot on Shabbos because it might lead you to a Chi of Chatos. And only by Shvus do I, do, do I discuss Kamos Mechriya Echos. And to bring a Raya to this idea that Kamos Mechriya Echos only works when it's a deiraisa versus a deiraisa, or a derabanon versus a derabanon, and not by a deiraisa versus a derabanon, we'll bring a raya from the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. Because the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch says like this: If there's a chayla that's in danger, and he needs meat, shechten like on Shabbos, you'll have to shecht it. They name him nachilenu nevela sheiser lav, the al nachalal of a Shabbos sheiser skila. And don't say, oh, let's give him non-kosher meat, meat of a novella, which is an Easter lav, it's an Easter of Malchus, versus shechting, which is an Easter skila on Shabbos. Shabbat novella, but I'll call kazayis v'kazayis. Ma'ashayin ke'im b'shchita, e'in ayayisa l'isir echot, afo pishu chamur. Because when it comes to novella, if it's non-kosher meat, and every kazayis that this p'chayla has to eat, is he's being over an Easter, even though he's allowed to, because b'kuch nefesh is doicha. Is doicha the Easter of of nevela, so he's allowed to eat. He's allowed to eat the the nevela, but every single kazayis is an Easter. 
it's one iser, even though it's an iser skila, it's one iser, and therefore, um, um, we'd rather do one big iser than many small iserim. So here you see, again, kamos mechriyeichos, that we, therefore we tell the yid to shech the behema, so that we, we, which is one big iser, rather than being over many small isurim of eating a kaz, many kazesim of a nevel. So you see kamos mechriyeichos. But the Altarebbe continues, avali mutzarech lartiech leyayin. If you need to boil wine, yemala yisrael, then the yid should fill up the pot, the yecham kusi, but the goy should turn on the fire. Ki afal pikein Because if the goy boils the water, what is it? Is there? It's isra stam yenam. It's isra of a goy handling wine, which is an isra midrabanon. So if the yid is going to light the fire, then it's one big Isir, but it's an Isir Midairaisa. If the Goy lights the fire, then every Revis, let's say, the Yid who's drinking it is being over an Isir, but it's an Isir Midrabonon. So here it's not just a Kamus versus Eichos, it's a Eiraisa versus a Dirabonon. And he paskins that it's better to be over on a Dirabonon, even though there's many Isurim, than to be over on a Deiraisa, which is one. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe Paskin is that the goy should light the fire. Harei Mefurish, shedafke kamuse shela isa de nevela, shel de iraisa harei aribui by chamira tfei meichas isa skila shel schitu b'shabes. So we see clearly that only the quantity of an isa de iraisa is more powerful than the isa than the echos of the isa skila. And therefore, we say let the let the yid shecht rather than have the yid eat many uh, uh, kazesim of a nevela. But when it comes to Stam Yenum, which is a Dirabanon, even though also over there there is a larger quantity of Isurim, because the Goy, because the Yid is drinking, every time he drinks, every sip uh, is. Uh, is an Israel of Stam Yenum. Nevertheless, the Eichos of a Deiraisa overrides the Kamos of the Rabbanon. And we say better that the Goy should, um, should light the fire and the Yid should not do this bigger Israel Deiraisa. So this is a Raya that well, even though we, we say that Kamos is Machriya Eichos, Nevertheless, that is only when they're both within the same category, even though they're both derabonons, like in the case of the Tchumen, or they're both deiraisis, like in the case of the, the shechita and Shabbos for the chayla. But if one is a deiraisa, one is a derabonon, then you say that the echos of the deiraisa is machria, even the kamus of the derabonon. And now, based on this, now that we understand that the background of this of this statement of Reb Shimon is connected to this discussion of Kamus and Eichus, now I can understand why this Mishnah, why this statement of Reb Shimon was arranged within the Mishnah of Sheretz. Because as we're going to see, because also the Reisha, the Din of Sheretz, also addresses the same question, Kamus or Eichus. How are we going to see them in this Mishnah? 
חמוס בריבוי הזמן מכריע, או איכוס בגודל העניין עצמי מכריע. Do I say that quantity by prolonging the time of the Iser is greater, or is a greater problem, or do I say that the intensity, the quality of the Iser, by making the Iser greater, more of it, that that's more of a problem. This is the, now here, the, 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 we're going to introduce the actual Mishnah, which I shared in the beginning of, of this shiur. But here is the words of the Mishnah from the Mishnah itself. Sharetz was found in the base of Mikdash, a, a dead insect that is from the Avois Hatuma. So the, the Tanakhama says, it's a You take it out with your gartel, the coin takes it out with his with his uh, 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 belt, in order not to prolong the tumah in the base of English, which means even though the, the belt itself will become, will be makabal tumah, will become tameh, nevertheless, every moment that the sheretz is in the mikdash is a problem, and the first thing we want to do is take the sheretz out, regardless of the, um, regardless of the, um, what's going to happen to the begot. Rabbi Yehudah says, no, you don't right away take it out with a gadol, which is the first thing that's handy, but you go and you find the wooden tongs, so as not to increase the tumor. Because if you grab the you grab it with a gadol, with a belt, then the belt is going to become tummy. Then you're, make, you're adding more tumor, you're making more tumor. That's called echos. By, by increasing the tumma, the, the quality of the tumma becomes greater. So Rehuda says, I don't want to do that. I'd rather wait an extra hour, whatever time it takes to find a wooden tongue. A wood, a wooden, that's not a, that's not a, keili, that's not a receptacle, is not the Kabbal tumma, and therefore nothing else will become tummy. So Rabbi Yechanan Membreke is concerned about prolonging the time that the tumor is in the Beis Amikdash, which is the idea of quantity, that every moment that it's in the Beis Amikdash, there's more and more tumor in the Beis Amikdash. Rabbi Yehuda is more concerned about the quality of increasing the tumor, that more things will become tummy. And the reasonings, the logic of their argument is, that Rabbi Yechanan Membreke holds that the bigger issue here is the prolonging of tuma, which is the idea of kamus of quantity. And the second opinion, that of Rabbi Yehuda holds, that the bigger problem here would be the quality of the iser by increasing the tuma, and therefore he says, wait for its eights. So since both Rabbi Yechonim Membreke and Rabbi Yehuda are arguing about kamus and echos, therefore comes Rabbi Shimon, who also based his Halacha of Tchumen, on his sack of Tchumen that he connects, on the Hachroa, on the resolution of Kamos is more powerful than Echos, uh, overrides Echos. Therefore, he says to Reb Shimon, he said, therefore Reb Shimon says, in this Mishnah that we're discussing, Kamos and Echos, this idea of which is his psak in Erev in the Kamos Machni Echos. And once he says that, he says, however, when I'm saying that, when do I say that? It's only if they're both a Deirais, they're both a Deirabonon. If they're both a Shavus. But if one is a Deirais and one is a Deirabonon, then the Echos of the Deiraisa is Machriya, the Kamus of the Deirabonon. 
Adkan is part one of the Sikha. Now, in Oishei, we're going to go into the Pnimi Sayyanam. And based on that, we're going to, it's going to help us understand another explanation in why the Shimon holds that Yikonais, that the person should go back into the city even if he's outside of the Tchum. To explain the connection between the two rules of Shimon. Whenever the Chacham were matter something, they were matter something that's already yours. And the Klal, that they were only matter what something that's a Shavuos. What is the difference between the two? What is the connection between the two? And the difference between the two? Based on this, we'll have another explanation into why Arab uh, Shimon holds that we should try to get the guy back into the city on Shabbos is going to be as follows. We're going to introduce another concept, and that is the idea of Hitzah on Shabbos. And the fact that Hitzah and Shabbos, the Melacha, that we're not allowed to carry something from one domain to another domain. For that matter, even from But we're not going to go into all those details. The fact that Melacha of Hitzah is a fundamental aspect of Shabbos. Knowing that Erevin comes, Msechta Erevin comes right after Msechta Shabbos. Because the two are connected, Erevin is primarily Me'inyin HaShabbos. It is connected to Shabbos. And the first. Mishnah in Shabbos speaks about Hitzah, which is something that we spoke about as well in the Sima Masechta Shabbos. We're going to now talk a little bit about the Malacha of Hitzah. It's explained in numerous places that the Malacha of Hitzah, the prohibition to carry something from one domain to another domain, is a fundamental Malacha. That is the Iker, that is the primary of all of the 39 Malachas that are prohibited on Shabbos. There's a Medrash that says, There was a heretic that asked, If, as you say, that Hashem keeps the Shabbos, then he shouldn't blow the wind, he shouldn't make the rain fall, he shouldn't make the grass grow. In other words, all of these things that happen in the world, the Abister is doing it. And if the Abister is observing Shabbos, how can all these things happen on Shabbos? So the answered with a mushal from an Eruv and from carrying from one Rishus to Rishus. He says that just the in, the, the in your own Rishus, you're allowed to carry, in your own house, you're allowed to carry from room to room. And if there's an Eruv, you're allowed to carry anywhere within the Eruv. So too says the Rebbe to this mean, to this Apikaitis, that the whole world belongs to the Abishter, and therefore he can do whatever he wants. And right away is a major question. Rebbe Kiva is only answering why the Abishter can carry from one Rishus to another Rishus. All the other Malachas are not dependent on carrying from the sus to the sus. Just because you have an Eruv doesn't mean you can cook on Shabbos. Chas v'shalom. So what's the Bekiv is saying? He's asking a question, how does the Ebesha do all these Malachas? And he says, because there's a native, Or because the whole, because the whole world is the Ebesha's Rishos. 
Therefore, it comes out that the Hitzah, the prohibition of carrying from one domain to another domain, is the fundamental concept of the entire, all, all the Malachas of Shabbos. It is the source and the root from which all of these other Ovis Malachas and Tuldus. And even Shvusim are branch off. And therefore, because by Hashem, there's no idea, there's no problem of going from Rishus to Rishus, because the whole world is, is his Rishus. And therefore, once by the Abishta, there's no problem of going from Rishus to Rishus, because the whole world is his Rishus, there also is no problem of doing any other Malacha. Because all the other malachas are only, so to speak, are only aser because Hitzah is aser, which we're going to explain. So from this we see that Hitzah is a fundamental and primary uh, malacha that all the other malachas are an offshoot of Hitzah. And this also explains why the Mesech Shabbos begins with the Melacha of Eitzah. You see, it's a Shabbos time, Shein Arba, where he talks about Eitzah. Even though Melacha Eitzah is listed as the last of the Lamites Malachis in Perek Zion of, of Mesech the Shabbos. And then he ask, why does Rabbeinu HaKadosh start with Yitzhiyah HaShabbos and not go in the order of the Malachis? And the reason is, because Yitzhiyah HaShabbos, Yitzhah, carrying from domain, to, from domain to domain, is the foundation and the basis of all the Malachas of Shabbos. That's why, and that's why Rabbi Kiva uses that to the Min to answer his question, and that's why Masech the Shabbos begins with the Easter of Hitzah. How Taka? Why Taka is Hitzah so fundamentally uh, um, relevant to all of the other Malachas of Shabbos? So now he's going to explain it, Alpi Pnimisa Nyanim Alpichsins. Bir Mazen Yonash Shabbosu, Shabbos Lavai. The idea of Shabbos is that Shabbos is for the Abishtim. In other words, Yom Tev Hu Chesi Lavai V'Chesi Lachem. Yom Tev, it's explained in the Gemara, is part for Hashem and part for us. In other words, we also have to uh, uh, enjoy Yom Tev. V'Shabbos Kulol Hashem. Shabbos is all for the Abishtim. Ha'inu She'inin Mitzvah Hashvisa B'Shabbos Hu Kidei Likboya B'Navshiseinu Emunas Chidesh Ha'elam. The whole idea of resting on Shabbos is to in, engrave into our soul the, 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 the faith, our emunah in the Abishta's creation of the world. So the Abishta created the world in six days and rested on Shabbos. And the same thing is true today that the Abishta is constantly creating the world from nothingness into something. In the six days of creation, in the six days of the week. And on Shabbos, the Abishta continues to create the world. Although he is resting from the Asar of Amores, he, uh, he's not actually saying he erred in creating the world. And, and the bringing the, the chayis of the world, the energy of the world is coming from the machshava, from the Abishta's level of machshava, not from his dibur. But still, 
Bebister is constantly involved in bringing the world into being. Therefore, this means the Abister is the sole ruler of the world, and the entire world is under the rulership, under the control of the Abister and the Abister's individual divine providence. Shabbos represents that whole Ilam Haza belongs to the Abister. That there's nothing that exists in this world that is not under the rule of the Abister. Even though the way the Abister created the world, world comes from the word Helm, concealment, that the truth is concealed, and the world was created in a way that it could seem that there isn't only one dominant ruler to the world. That it looks like there's two, there's two domains, two rulers to the world. There's the domain of holiness and goodness. And the domain of tuma and evil and bad. So the world was created during the six days of the week. It looks like there's two separate entities. It looks like there's gashmius and ruchmius, good and bad. Holiness and unholiness. But when we rest on Shabbos, Nikva and is this engraves, this establishes the ultimate knowledge and faith. That the whole world is, is one in the shus. There's what one domain under one ruler. Everything belongs to the Abister. It's a Rishus Ayachid. Using the term of Hilcha Shabbos, it's not a Rishus Arabim, a Rishus that's owned by various different entities, but it's a Rishus Ayachid, it's a Rishus that's owned by one entity, the Abister. So now that I understand that Shabbos, what Shabbos does, Shabbos is here to establish the fact that there's only one Rishus HaYachid, the only one, one domain, the Rishus of the Ebishter, comes out that if somebody violates the Shabbos, if someone does a Malacha on Shabbos, number one, it weakens his Amuna in the Ebishter, as the creator of the world, and that everything belongs to the Ebishter, this intensifies the concealment and the mistake that one could think that, there, that there's actually two different domains. Which is, in other words, when you do a malach, when a person does a malacha on Shabbos, he's recreating the idea, mistaken idea, but the idea that there's two domains, you're taking the world out of Rishus HaYachid, out of the domain of the Abishter, and bringing it into Rishus HaRabim, into a public domain. So it comes out that all the Lama Tesmalachas are doing the same thing. You're taking the world out of the Abishter's Rishus, and bringing it into this mistaken uh, uh, imagination that there's more than one rishus, there's a rishus adabim. So even when it comes to any other malacha of cooking on Shabbos, by 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 being mechalal Shabbos, you're basically recreating the myth that there's two rishus. You're being moitzi mirishus ayachid mirishus adabim, and therefore haitzah is the most fundamental aspect of Shabbos because the whole idea of Shabbos is rishus ayachid.
And this explains the Bakiva's answer. Since by the Abister there is no mistake, by the Abister he knows that everything is his and that everything is his. And in the end, even here in this world, the truth will be revealed. When Mashiach comes, if a person is going to want to pick a, a fig off of the tree on Shabbos, the fig is going to scream at him at Shabbos. The world itself is going to recognize and testify that there's only one thing, there's only the Ebishter. So that's going to happen when Mashiach comes. But in, by the Ebishter, that truth is ready to exist now. Therefore, the Abishter can never violate Hitzah. Therefore, the Abishter can never violate anything that is an offshoot of Hitzah. Any other Malacha. There's no problem for the Abishter of Malacha on Shabbos because once you come to the recognition that the Abishter is the only Rishus in the world, that the Abishter is the Rishus then anything that you do is not either Hitzah or Rishus or Rishus, and therefore it's not a problem. So for the Abishter, there's no issue of doing other malachas on Shabbos because anyway, it's not a violation of Hitzah and Rishus Rishus because by the Abishter, there is only one Rishus. And therefore, that was Rebbe Kiva's answer to the mean, I believe it was Turnus Rufus, who asked this question on the Abishter. So now we've established this idea that the whole purpose of Shabbos is to proclaim that the whole world, not like the way it looks, that there is a, a, a divisiveness in the world. There's the Shus of Kedusha and there's the Shus of Hebecha Kedusha. But rather, the Shabbos proclaims that the whole world is the Shus HaYachet. Now, once we understand this cloud, we can understand that there's various different levels in fulfilling this um, um, idea on Shabbos. All the aspects of creation are divided into three general categories, which will be hinted to, alluded to, in the three different types of domains that exist in Shabbos, on Shabbos. Number one, you have, you have, you have mitzvahs, things that are holy, film, titzis. Which the Aveda, the way we, we, we work with it is by doing good. And these things, it is clear and obvious that they belong to the Yevishter. Based on the other extreme, things that are bad, things that are prohibited. Literally means mountains of separation. Things that are separated from Kedusha. Which the way we have to treat these things is by staying away from them. Which this represents in Shabbos, the public domain, where it seems that there is another dominant force outside of the Eibishter. So you have the things that you have to do, that you're supposed to do. You have the things that you are not allowed to do. Then you have the things that are permissible. They are in the middle between something that is a command and a prohibition. 
And the, and the way we do the Avaidah is in two ways. One of two ways. Either by making yourself holy by that which is mutter to you, which means to refrain from doing it because you want to become extra holy. For example, uh, a food that is kosher and is kosher lemahadrim, but it's only a taiva. It's only, you know, you're eating it only for its desire and not for its uh, nutritional or spiritual value. Then you refrain from it. Because there's no, there's no spiritual value to it. Base. Another way to treat it is by elevating it. To make it holy. By utilizing it for, for holiness. And this a parallel in the Rishuris of Shabbos is a chatzar, a chatzar, a courtyard that has a number of people that are living in it. Or a Mavui, an alleyway that has a number of people that are connected to it, or a Carmelis, the Kadema, a place that many people walk in, but it's not big enough to be considered a which is an intermediate domain that is between and and by making an Eruv, we could transform this into Just like in the, in the Moshul, you have certain things that are in that are permissible, and we can elevate it to Kedusha, there are certain Rishuyas that are not yet a Rishusha Yachid, but they're not a Rishusha Rabbim, and we have the power through an Eruv to turn it into a Rishusha Yachid, a place that you're allowed to carry on Shabbos. Now, Pisa, move on. So it comes out, Both Tchumin and Eruv Chatseris is one thing, to expand and make bigger the domain of the Yid, the domain of holiness, which may be limited in quantity, in its space. And then, by making an Eruv, you're, you're expanding the domain. A person has a house that has 2,000 square feet. So that's his, uh, his, his, his space. That's the Rushus HaKedusha, a place where the Yid took his house and made it holy. And then if he makes an Eruv in his backyard, or then if he makes an Eruv on his block, then all of a sudden his domain becomes bigger. It shows that, he, that the Rishus HaYachid becomes bigger and bigger. So Sai Eruv Tchumen, which is allowing you to go beyond the Tchum Shabbos, or Eruv HaChatzeres, which is allowing you to go beyond your home and to carry into the Chatzer or beyond, is all the idea of making Rishus HaYachid, making the Rishus HaKedusha bigger and bigger. So, just so we're following how we're, go, how we're getting here. We started out in the second half of the Sicha explaining that the entire idea of Shabbos is about Hitzah. The entire Indian of Shabbos is to, is to recognize Rishus HaYachid. And we said that if we're talking about a fragmented world, a world where you have status suyas, it looks like it's two different domains. We have to see how it is. There's a shusayachet, there's a shusayachet. But then there's a whole part of the world that can be elevated to Kedusha, that can become part of the shusayachet. And that's the idea of, of an Eruvi Chatzedis, or an Eruv Tchumen, to make the shusayachet Kedusha bigger. So according to this, we can now connect the two rules, the two general ideas that Ebshimin taught. The first statement was 
Now, whatever the Chachamim were matir, they were matir that which is already yours, which that refers to Tchumen, as we said at length in the first half of the Sicha. That's statement number one. The things that the Chachamim were matir, because they are a Shvus, they, are, they were only Asr and Rabbanon because you have to rest on Shabbos. Even though specifically Reb Shimon is talking over there about Animus Kinner, but in general he's talking about the Malachas of Shabbos. That when it comes to Malachas of Shabbos, the, that which they were Matir, they were Matir Shvus. So the first thing is talking about Tchumin. The second thing is talking about Malachas of Shabbos, which as we just explained at length in Eiz Ahei, is represented in the Malachas of Eitzah. So the two statements of Reb Shimon is talking about one is Tchumen and one is talking about Nimes Kinner, which is an offshoot of the general idea of Malachas of Shabbos, which is Heitzah. And we just explained that Heitzah and Tchumen is the same idea. So now we understand the connection between the two statements of Reb Shimon. They're both on the topic of creating a Rosh making this world into the domain of the Eivishter. Ubefrat, especially, this is a Really, parenthetically speaking, especially since the tzadashave, the common denominator between tchumen and shvus, is also expressed in the various different dinim in their regard. We're going to see that there's, a, that there's three shittas with regards to tchumen, and there's three shittas with regards to the origin of shvus, and. We will compare the two that they're exactly the same idea. So we, which is a which is a halachic comparison between Truman and Shvus, and this will lead us to. And so this, so this is a, 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 a this emphasizes this connection between Truman and Shvus, which Shvus is being referred to is being used as a representation of Hitzah, which is the general malacha that includes all malachas of Shabbos. What is this machlaikis? There are three shittas. Aleph, gamma paim amadeiraisa. That even uh, uh, the, the, the prohibition to go beyond 2,000 amas is an isidaiisa. Bayes, another opinion is that you'd base mil is medaiisa. The medaiisa, you're really allowed to go 12 mil. The alpaim amadeirabonon and rabonon changed it and said 2,000 amas. Gimel called isir tchumen umedirabonon. The third opinion is that the whole idea of tchumen is medirabonon, even. Your base meal is also Midrabon. That everything, that the whole idea of Tchumen and, and, and the way they learn it is, I, it says, So they say it's only an Asmacht. Or, or they say that it's There's various different ways to, to learn it, but, but regardless, there is an opinion that says that Tchumen is Midrabon. So you have number one, that even Alpayim Amas Midrabon, the whole thing is Midrabon. Number two is that there's Part of it is Midrabanon, part of it is Midrabanon, and number three, that it's entirely Midrabanon. And we see the same idea with regards to Shvus. Aleph, the first opinion is called Yoni Shvus, Emin Ateira, Ateira Amra Tishpeh, Shalos Nimsel HaChachamim. Now the whole, all Shvus in Amidaira, which means to say that once Chachamim said, once the Teira says Tishbeh, that the Teira gave the Chachamim the power to prohibit things that then become us in Midrabanon. There are certain shvusim that are midiraisa that were explained by the chacham, and that's why they're called shvus. But they are, but their prohibition is on the level of deiraisa. Then there are certain shvusim that are midirabanan. There are some and some and some, like like by like by tchumen.
Gimel kol inyanit shvus midrabanon. The third opinion is that all shvus is midrabanon. Mashkaz v'tishpes in yelah asmachta. The fact that it says tishpes is only an asmachta, which means it's only a support to the what the chachamim tell us of things that we shouldn't do on Shabbos, but they are not also midrabanon. So just like we say, totally midrabanon. Partially midiraisa, partially midirabanon, totally midirabanon. We see the same thing in Shvus that there's opinion that says totally midiraisa. Some say some midiraisa, some midirabanon, and some say totally midirabanon. So this is another support to the similarity between Tchumin and Shvus, which is the Malachas of Shabbos. So based on this, we now understand the connection between these two statements of Rab Shimon, because once you introduce, once you're talking about Hetzah, once you're talking about any Malacha of Shabbos, it's connected to Hetzah, and Hetzah is connected to Tchumen because they're both the same concept, the concept of Create, creating a bigger Rishus HaYachid, a bigger Rishus HaKedushan, and therefore Rab Shimon merges these two statements into the same Mishnah. So you think we're good? So first of all, we promised you in the beginning of Oishei that we're going to explain why Reb Shimon holds that you, you, you can go in, into the city, which we didn't get to yet. How does this affect Reb Shimon's psak? But also, we're going to go the other way. We're going to go backwards now. Till now, we were explaining how Hetzah and Tchumen are the same. Now we're going to explain that in truth, if you go in a little bit deeper, if you take off another layer and you delve deeper into how you're creating this Rishus HaKidusha, that actually Hetzah and Tchumen are the opposite. Hetzah referring here to Malachas of Shabbos in general. In truth, there's a big difference between the Yisra of Tchumen of going too far out of the city and other malachas of Shabbos, avachin gamma fachnas to the point that they are actually opposites. You said the malachas Shabbos in Yoni Yushavasiyas malacha machalulus Shabbos. When a person does a malacha on Shabbos, he is desecrating, he is violating, he is profaning the Shabbos, which means you use the word machalul chilul Shabbos. He creates a void, an emptiness within Shabbos. And therefore the holiness of Shabbos is profane. Which means that by doing Malachah on Shabbos, you are injecting into Shabbos a negative thing. He's bringing in Klippus into Shabbos. However, when a person goes out into the Tchum, it's not bringing something into Shabbos. He's taking the Shabbos with him to the Klippa. Here's a very important thing. The Ayid is Shabbos. Ayid, even a simpleton. Even someone who is not a, 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 a tzaddik. He, in him is shining the light of Shabbos, so a yid is Shabbos. And then when he goes outside of the domain of the limits of Kedusha, he takes Shabbos with him into Klippa. So or any Malacha for that matter, is injecting negativity into Shabbos. Going out of the Tchum is taking Shabbos into the negativity. It's two opposite concepts. Now, before we get to this to the culmination of this nekuda, uh, 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 how this how this affects us 
Halachically, he just makes a parenthetical comment in the brackets. When he says that going out of the Tchum in space is taking Shabbos with you into the, in, into the place of Klippus. You can't compare this to Tosfus Shabbos, which is to add on time before Shabbos or after Shabbos. Tosfus Shabbos Bizman, where you're adding on in the, in, in, in the, in the domain of time. If you want to make Shabbos longer, why can't you make Shabbos bigger by going outside of the Tchum? You can't compare the two. Because their Torah commands you to do so, and therefore gives you the koyach that you could add on time-wise to Shabbos. Over here, there's no command from Torah to do so, and therefore there's no koyach of Torah to do so, and therefore you cannot make the space outside of the city more holy. And therefore, when you go there, you're taking Shabbos with you into the domain of and since this outside of the Tchum finds itself in the domain of Klippas, you're not allowed to take Shabbos and go there with it. So now that I understand the difference between Shabbos, between Heitzah, between Melechah Shabbos and Tchum, and the Melechah Shabbos is you're injecting Klippa into Shabbos. But going outside of the Tchum, you're taking Shabbos with you into the domain of Klippa. Therefore, when you go outside of the Tchum, every moment that you're there, the problem continues. The prohibition to go outside of the Tchum is not that one moment that you're crossing over, out over the Tchum. The act of leaving the Tchum. The result of it is the problem. is outside of the domain of Kedusha. It's a place that is bound and connected to Klippa. Based on this, this explains much more gishmak, the explanation of Shittas HaShed of Shimon Yikarnes, the Shittas of Shimon who says you got to go back into the city, that if it's permissible to go in, he has to get away from there, because what he's doing, he's, he's, he's desecrating Shabbos every single moment by dragging Shabbos into Mekem HaKlippus. So therefore, if he's within the 15 Amis still, and there's a possibility that he can go in without violating the Isra of Tchumen, he has to go in. Because he has to stop as soon as possible the fact that Shabbos exists outside of the Tchum. So now we understand that although there is a comparison between Hitzah, between Hitzah, which is Melechah Shabbos, and Tchumen, that the whole idea of Shabbos is to expand the resource of the Eibishter, and, and the resource of Kedusha into a resource of Yachid. There is far the difference. That's why when it comes to certain Malachas of Shabbos, we're not being matter to do them because as although, although Chilul Shabbos is a problem, but nevertheless, you know, at least you're in the domain of Kedusha. But when it comes to Tchumin, Reb Shimon is very eager to push him back into the city because being outside of the city, he would have dragged Shabbos out into the Tchum of Klippus. So now, we understand the connection between these two statements of Reb Shimon, and we also understand why Reb Shimon holds Yikonis. Now, 
Minoisches and Tess, we're going to introduce the Hira. In other words, till now we were talking about the idea of Pipnimisayanim without a sort of a practical application that we could learn from it in our own lives. Now in Oisches, we're going to learn a Hira. This brings a hero. The main, the main metzius, the main entity of a yid is his neshama. Just like the Abishter inherently is far removed and aloof from the world, so much so that the Asara Mamores are considered simple words, mundane words, with regards to the Abishter himself. So to a Yid, who is, has, and is a Neshama, is inherently far removed from the world. This is a However, the tater tells him to go to work. So Be'atzim Gerat, he's far removed from the world. The only reason why we go to work is because they told us to. And also in this, when going to work, he's also, the way we do it is the way the Abishar does it. Just like the Abishar had to contract himself in order to create the world. So to the person, when he gets involved in the world, it's a contraction. Not who he really is. Not it's not what he really wants to do. He has to sort of force himself to engage in worldly matters. So we understand that the involvement of a yid in worldly or mundane matters is a descent. It's a contraction. His true essence is on the level of Shabbos. When he rests. And refrains from mundane work. So therefore, inherently a person wants to stay away from malacha. He only does malacha because he has to. But when he does malacha, meaning being involved in worldly matters, and when he does so, he does so only to the extent that he has to. So now we could apply these two dinim on Shabbos, the prohibition to do malacha, and the prohibition to go chutz l'tchum, affect the person in his day-to-day life, because the person is Shabbos. These are the siyas malacha of Shabbos. In yoni banagas adam, hachnasas mili de'alma v'ubdin v'chayl, v'techmei chayv The parallel to doing malacha on Shabbos in the person is like taking malacha, uh, uh, taking worldly matters and injecting it into his brain. Even though we were commanded to do malacha, he should only be using his external koiches. Not his internal and lofty, more sublime a person should engage his hands in doing his work, but his heart and his mind should be dedicated to the Abishter, to, to holy things. So when a person uses his brain, uses his mind and delves into worldly matters, it's just like doing Malacha on Shabbos. Shabbos is his brain, his mind, and injecting or inserting worldly matters into your brain is like doing malacha on Shabbos. 
And when a person does bring in worldly matters into his mind, into his intellect, into his Shabbos, and he says, this creates a void, an emptiness in, in his mind, in his brain. Like we said before, that the word Chilul Shabbos comes from or is connected to the idea of making a void and emptiness in Shabbos. So it becomes an So when a person is using his brain for worldly matters, this creates a void from feeling alakus, from feeling godliness. Because the brain, if it's focused on worldly matters, it's not going to be focused on Kedusha. If he would acknowledge the truth that it's Abish's bracha that makes him wealthy, and going to work is only a keli, only, only creating a receptacle, a vessel for the Abish's bracha. blesses you in what you do. Then he wouldn't invest his head into the business. With new ideas or new tactics. Which really are non-productive. Because the Ebishter's bracha is ultimately what brings him his wealth. On the contrary, the fact that he is so involved in his worldly matters, this is distracting his brain, his mind, from getting involved in Teirav Aveda, and therefore it's holding him back from receiving these extra brachas that he needs to become rich. So that's the first problem. It's the first thing. The first issue that we had was Malachan Shabbos. Malachan Shabbos and the person's Avaida represents using your mind, your brain, for things that are not Kiddush. Even someone that is following this, is, does his business, his mind is in Kiddush and holiness. But there's another, there's another prohibition. Asher B'Shabbos. The first thing we were talking about was during his work. That during his work, he should remember that it's and he should not be too involved in his work. Then there's another issue, and that is when you're learning, when you're davening, when you're doing a mitzvah. Don't mix in your own things into the mitzvah. When you're learning, you should be learning for the sake of learning. When you're davening, you're davening for the sake of davening, not for other reasons. And not be distracted about other things. And not be doing other things while davening or learning. When you're involved in the worldly matters, if you're involved in worldly matters, up to a point. But then, when, you, when you're in the Rishusak Dusha, when you're involved with Teda, when you're involved with, with doing mitzvahs, when you're involved in davening, you, even your keiches chitzayniyim, which are allowed to be engaged in business, should not be engaged now in anything else, because now you're in the realm of learning Teda, doing mitzvahs. So you have two prohibitions. The prohibition of Malach HaShabbos is not to use your brains for too much, for inyone ha'olam, then you have the issue of tchumin, which is when you're engaged in learning and davening, not to allow your keiches chetzenim to get distracted. So those are the two things that Abba Shimon is talking about, Malachas Shabbos and tchumin. However, if you remember, where was this Mishnah? Where, where was this teaching of Rabbi Shimon? It was in the Mishnah of Sheretz. So Sheretz is also going to be a heira of Hashem. Vini Mishnah 
This last Mishnah is talking about a Shabbos. Even if a person follows all of the instructions of Mesech Ta'edevin and Mesech Ta'shabbos, which in the lesson was that you should rest your mind from being involved in Melacha. And to make sure that even that when you're engaged in holiness, your feet should also be in the tchum. You shouldn't get carried away with other things. Because it's still possible that there could be a sharetz in his mikdash. There should be something negative in his in this mikdash that he built. Tuma is something that comes. Tuma sharetz is something that comes from the outside. Even if he himself has worked on himself to this lofty level, but the world is not yet fully refined. It's possible that an outside influence could still affect him. The shadows that's coming from the outside world could still affect his mikdash. Even though it's not coming from him, and he's not at fault, everyone will agree that he has to remove it from his mikdash. You can't have tumah in your mikdash. The question is going to be, how do you get rid of the tumah? Person that already reached this level and he's not doing malachah on Shabbos. And he's not going chutz l'tchum. Which means that his mind is, is dedicated to kedusha, And when he's involved in Tehidu Mitzvahs, even his raglayim, even his external faculties, are not distracting him. But nevertheless, they're still, he's surrounded by, by Tumah. So you got to get rid of it. How do you do it? One way is to get involved in it, to deal with it. To Hemyoyna is a gartel, but it's a part of the Levushim. So this is like a, a metaphorically speaking to get, become enclosed and engrossed and involved in getting rid of the Kedusha, because getting rid of the Tumah. Because that that way you can do it right away. You grab it and you get rid of it. Even though this might affect him as well, like it says if you struggle, if you fight with dirt, someone who's dirty, you will become dirty yourself. It's worth it to get a little dirty by engaging with the tumor because this will get rid of the tumor right away and we don't want to prolong this tumor even for another minute. Another approach is Shaved Sarachlias has a hirus, Shalei Liga Besheret. Shaved is to be careful not to touch it. To find a tongue of wood, take it out. He should ignore it. You need to have a designated time in order to, to, to deal with it. Because that way, you're not engrossed in it, you're not engaged in it. Even if it might take longer till you get there, what we, what we don't want is for you to involve and engross yourself in the tumor. So, so there's three levels here. Level number one is not to engage in, not to engage your brain in in in, in, in worldly matters. Number two, when you're involved in kedusha, even your aglaim, even your external faculties should be totally focused on what you're doing. Number three, if after everything you've done, you still encounter 
tumah in the world, you have to get rid of it, you have to get it out of your mikdash. And there's two ways to do so. Either by doing it right away, but that would mean dealing with it, and sometimes involving with it, which may have an effect on you. Or another way is to, is to postpone it, push it away, find the right time to do it, but that way you're ignoring it so it doesn't affect you negatively right away. Either way, especially now. We find ourselves so close to the coming of Mashiach, and all of the kitsin, all of the ends have already completed. And now we're just waiting for tshuva. Which happens in one instant, in one moment. Transform Tommy into Torah. It is simple. But this is that person's, is everyone's uh, obligation and everyone's merit, privilege. The virus, the to remove the spirit of Tumah from the world, and to bring Moshiach, Mamish. With this, we complete an entire year of learning the Kutusichis together. And it is a, an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Mazel tov, mazel tov. I look forward to next week, to continuing on into the next Sefer of Chilik Tezayim, to learning together with you. Ayashar Kayach to each and every one of you who listened to this Yerim, who encouraged me and gave me the Chizuk and the Kayach to keep on doing this. I, I have gained tremendously from this past year and I look forward to continue to grow together with you in the year to come. I just want to point out that uh, the second half I was reading a little bit faster because as I see on the clock, we went way over time and uh, there's so much more really to delve into the Sikha, but I wanted to, <laughs> I was going to say I wanted to finish in a normal time, I, didn't, I, I wasn't successful at that, but just so we, we understand, the Sikha began with understanding the Mishnah Alpindigla, then the Sikha explained the general concept of how it's connected to Shabbos, Based on that, we connected Haitzah with Tchumen, how these two things are connected. That helped us understand why Reb Shimon speaks about both of these things in the same Mishnah. It also helped us understand the Shita of Reb Shimon. And based on that, we learned to Haitzah that every Yid in his Aveda has to do Sai the Inyan of Haitzah, which is Sai to, 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 to do the, the Aveda of not doing Malachas on Shabbos, Sai the Aveda of Tchumen, Sai not taking your Kaychas into the, into the world, and Sai the Inyan of Sheretz, which was in that original Mishnah. But the final Mishnah, which is to remove even the negativity that comes from the outside world. And as the Sikha ends, maybe be uh, with this Yutzvat, the, the Rebbe should come, take us out of Golos, and transform the, 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 the world into a place of Tahara, into a place of the Shusayachad, Yechid Shalelam. And then we will be Zeicha to the Teirah Hadasha from the Rebbe to learn from the Rebbe directly himself. May it be mamish, memehera, v'yameinu, l'chaim, and mazel tov.